What's up, idiots? And welcome back. Welcome back to Michael's Heresy Hour. What? Call the cops. Somebody call the cops because it's time for Michael's dumb opinions for a long time by himself. Shout out to Conversations. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for tuning in today. This is a show called Conversation Therapy. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me at conversationtherapycast at gmail.com. My name is Michael Lamp. I am the host of this conversation I'm having with myself. And I'm just here to have a good time, honestly. Just to do a little bit of personal therapy, drink a little bit of uh, um, barely beer that's mostly, uh, it's not even beer, this is just soda. I don't even really care about drinking that, we just didn't have anything that tasted good in the house, and this is the only thing, I don't even like coconut, and this is like a pina colada, so cheers to that. I've been writing down my dumb opinions for a while. Um, not that long, but long enough. So, uh, I guess I'm just going to read off some of my dumb opinions and talk about them for a while. And maybe hit on something deeper. Wow, this got aggressive. I don't know how aggressive I want that music in the background. Also, I don't think I need to have an hour of police sirens pulled up. Maybe I do. That would be kind of hilarious <laughs> to have a whole hour of sirens in the background. But real talk, though. These are my dumb opinions, and I'm not sure if I'm even going to believe in them tomorrow. Uh, but we'll go from there. I've been doing a lot of uh, philosophical, theological thinking. And to be completely honest, I'm not sure exactly where I'm at with anything. So, I don't know. I guess the most important thing to realize is that um, be a good person. Don't be a crappy person. And I know that the whole Christian response to be a good person is you can't be a good person without God. Shut up and give somebody food. That's like a good thing to do, right? So just cut it, cut it, cut it. Make like a seamstress and cut it with all your just virtue signaling crap you know just be do good things okay and who cares about all this other crap you know i don't care if you believe in god or not i care that you are living a christ-like life and that's what i'm trying to do shout out jesus christ <sighs> my first dumb opinion you ready for this Everyone says they have a high pain tolerance. No, you don't. You do not have a high pain tolerance. Everyone says that, and I'm sick of it. Nobody's out here like, oh, my pain tolerance is so low. Everyone's like, dude, my pain tolerance is so high. One time I punched myself in the face and lost a finger. I didn't even feel it. It's like, okay, just because you twisted your ankle and you like didn't cry when the doctor touched it doesn't mean you have a high pain tolerance, Becky. <sighs> Sorry uh, if I have any listeners named Becky. It's not aggressive towards you. It's just aggressive towards, I suppose, my uh, understanding of what a Becky would say. 
I'm talking about that that girl that's like, or that it's even worse with guys. But I think the ones that come to mind are girls. But everyone's like, oh, my pain, my pain tolerance is so high. It's like, okay, well, have you thought about the pain of being uh, alone in an existential world where nothing really matters? That's one ding for one depressing thought. Oh, but you have a high pain tolerance for existential pain. Think about that. You ever sat down and looked at the world and thought, I don't matter, and realized that was true? Because that's some high pain tolerance to keep on living in a world like that. Nihilism is where philosophy begins. So let's all recognize that we don't matter, and then from there we can have an interesting conversation. Cheers. Still don't like the taste of coconut, Uh, but it's sweet. So the next thing in my note of my dumb opinions is embracing the reality of death is the healthiest way to live. I don't know if that's so much an opinion as it is uh, just true. Like just knowing that you're going to die. I feel like everyone at a certain point has to come to the realization and being okay with the fact that you're going to die. Hey, you listening. Hey, you. You don't pause it. Don't you dare pause it. I'll wait. Good. Now that you're back, I just want you to sit down for a second. Whatever you're doing right now, sit down. Sit down. Look at nothing. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Take three deep, deep, deep breaths. (laughs) All right. Three breaths was a long time. Take three deep breaths. Open your eyes and recognize that you're going to die. And that's okay. Man, everybody dies. It's about finding joy in the lack, in the chaos of this world. You're never going to feel fulfilled. No one ever does. So, um, there's this, um, okay, I need to pause this real quick. That sound that just happened on here sounded like dial-up internet. Shout out to my 90s kids lesson. Here it comes. That, it, it's like a crappy version of a uh, siren, but it actually sounded like just dial-up internet sounds. So there's that. So there's this fable about a miserly old man who's very rich. And he takes all of his money, all of his gold, and he digs a hole and he puts the, the money in that hole. And he just looks at it. He sits there every day and he looks at his money and he smiles and he gets more money. And does he? what does he do? He puts it in the hole. He puts his money in a hole and he smiles and he looks at it. And then one day, a thief comes along and steals his gold. All of it. Takes it all. Leaves. The miserly rich old man now goes to that hole and sees that his gold is gone and he weeps he cries what is he crying about well I mean that's where the fable ends except for there's a man that comes up and says hey I can put a rock in that hole and you can look at that all day and then you have something to look at so there really is no difference between that rock and all that gold 
So the question is, what did the man lose? What did the, the miserly old rich man lose? I mean, he didn't really lose money. Like, that money wasn't being used for what money is used for. He wasn't buying a house. It wasn't any of this stuff. Money was this old man's magical object. The object in his life that brought him safety and security and meaning and fulfillment but it wasn't even do anything but that's what he lost right his magical this object that doesn't really provide those things but we impute those characteristics upon it we say he said this pile of gold makes me happy and then it did because it brought him you know existential happiness right and so the question then becomes what is my pile of gold what is my magical object in my life that is bringing me fulfillment and happiness or making just making me feel okay about the world in general like i don't I, I don't care about all this other stuff at the end of the day i can sit down and look at my pile of gold what is my magical pile of gold and i've been thinking about this question for a couple weeks now uh shout out peter rollins um great great philosopher who i've been listening to a lot lately i bought a couple of his books shout out capitalism not the best but mm, it's okay but I've been listening to a lot of Peter Rollins' books, or I was listening to a lot of Peter Rollins' talks and reading his books, and he talks about these ideas of mag magical objects and what provides us that safety and security. And so for about two weeks, I've been really, I don't know, trying to think of what that is, but it's hard to think of what that is. Like, what in my life brings me that safety and security? Because it's not like, for other people that I know, it's, you know, actual security of like, money and being cared for or a relationship or all these other things i don't think that that's really in my life what i have based my life upon um and uh <laughs> like even after i drowned take a shot if you're listening welcome to the drinking game on michael's heresy hour every time michael mentions the same story about him dying you take a shot people be drunk in five minutes listening to this podcast When I drowned and I woke up, it wasn't, I guess what, what what killed me was the water. Just kidding. What killed me internally, existentially, was the uncertainty. I thought I knew so much, and I was convinced that I knew so much. And then I died, and then I came back to life, and I was like, mm, don't know anything anymore, and I hated everything. And so at a certain point, I think that what I did was just shut off. And my brain just said, hmm, this isn't good. He's going to he's gonna get rid of himself. He's going to kill himself, which includes me, the brain. And so as a result of that, I'm going to turn that music a little bit. As a result of that, my brain was like, let's just pretend that this isn't happening. And so I feel like I'm watching myself go through life and nothing means anything. Because at a certain point... I was so uncertain about everything that the choice was either just accept everything at what it is, accept everything at what it is, or stop existing. Because nothing is certain. Nothing. And that's something that you have to be okay with. But a lot of people just pretend like things are certain. They imagine that things are certain. I think that is my magical object was certainty. Is certainty whether that's certainty of that something's going to happen or that this is whatever, or just that I know something for sure. 
right? That's what I elevated above everything else, which is why I spent so much time going to Bible school and being a pastor and doing apologetic stuff like arguing. And that's why I, I think I argue is because I value certainty above everything else. And it's this existential idea that if I know that I know, whatever this thing is, excuse me, it's another shot. 12 minutes and you're two shots deep. This existential certainty, knowing whatever it is, that God is real, knowing that, you know, what the heck ever, that I am loved, that this matters, that what I'm doing has a purpose, that, you know, that the Bible is legitimate, knowing how old the earth is, whatever the heck I wanted to be certain about, you know, that heaven and hell are real, that I'm saved, you know, all this stuff that I had to be so dang certain about. Then now I question all of it, man. Every single thing is in question, which can be very existentially terrifying, um, but is also at the same time, it's okay. Life is about recognizing my lacking. The world is a chaotic and uncertain and a place that lacks everything that I so desperately want. And so life is about finding peace and comfort in the lack. In a strange way, I've almost found certainty in what I believe. Like I before was so certain about all sorts of basically all the fundamental evangelical views. I never really questioned them. I don't know if I ever really believed some of them. I just believed them because I would rather not think about it. And so out of that, I was certain about that thing. But where I'm at now is that I am certain that I am not certain. And that's a happy thing to be able to say because it's almost finding comfort in the lacking is (coughs) an incredibly difficult but an incredibly fulfilling thing. Man, I don't have to know, right? Like your pastors are told from the time that they're like so small that they have to know friggin' everything. The Bible's so big and like, of course, like oh, you don't have to know everything, but this is our church's stance on the whole friggin' Bible, the whole Bible. What in the world are you talking about? You can't know everything in the Bible. As soon as you say this is who God is, God isn't that because we can't understand God. As soon as you put God in a box... That's not God anymore. So stop saying that you know who the heck God is. right? We have Jesus who came to earth who tried to give us a human approximation of what God is. And we spend so much time talking about every other part of the Bible except for Jesus. Let's talk about just what Jesus did. Okay? One time. Shout out Jesus one time. I'm going to take a drink from my drink. Mm, Still don't like that that much. Oh, I wish it were just pineapple. Tastes like pineapple juice that a coconut took a dump in. That should be pineapple dump juice. Pineapple coca dump. This got significantly stupid over the past 30 seconds. Basically, I think what I'm saying is that I had to be so certain about so many things. And if you feel like you have to be certain about so many things... Man, take a breath and take that load off because you aren't. I think that's another thing that I'm experiencing right now is this, like, there's so many people that, like, 
have chosen what they believe, right? You choose that. And then, and the, I think that beliefs are innate. I think that you believe what you believe and that can change, but you can't change it. It changes over time depending on a multitude of factors. And so I think that we can lie to ourselves in the same way that a person who tells a story a hundred times, tells a lie a hundred times, is going to start believing that lie over time. Right? If I keep telling a lie over years, my brain is eventually going to think that that lie is true. And I'm not going to be able to recognize the difference between truth and lies in that one specific situation. In the same way, I think that we can do that. That's what I did for years, telling myself I believed in God or I believed in a literal Adam and Eve or I believed in a eternal conscious torment hell, right? I was so convinced about these things and I told them to myself over and over and over again, never really thinking to myself, okay, what innately do I think about these things? And the truth is that I have no idea <laughs> I'm so uncertain about those things, and it's so good to be able to say that, man. I don't have to know whether or not God is real to be a person who is living a Christ-like life. And I don't have to know all of this other stuff. I don't have to know about every single dang theological issue. I can just be. I can just exist in the lack, exist in the chaos, exist in the want exist in the uncertainty i think that's what this is his life's about man is about finding comfort in the uncertainty enjoying the process shout out miley cyrus it's the dang climb you know peter rollins shout out again if you hate someone uh give them what their heart desires because they're going to recognize it's not worth it and their life is going to be meaningless Man, I so desperately have wanted certainty for so long, and I had it, and my life was meaningless. I was so certain about so many things, and the unfortunate thing for me, I think, is that it's harder now for other people to recognize that what well, that which I think is true. I think that I am a better, more thoughtful, more intentional more Christ-like person now than I was before, but before I was a pastor, and so I was serving in a church, and I was doing all these things, very practical, easy ways for me to appear to be a Christ-like person. But now my everyday outlook has changed. I am more thoughtful and intentional in my conversations with people. I am loving people every day. I am seeking to be that which other people need. I mean, it's, I never, maybe I was just a crappy person, but I feel like I just never really did what I wanted, what I thought I was doing. I mean, I thought I was doing so well on all these different things, but the reality is like, man, I, I was just trying to find certainty and stuff and I wasn't actually living an intentional life. And that's what I care about. I care about living an intentional life, man. I feel Ooh, this one's making me feel good. So I guess for me, this idea, I don't know if I talked about a non-castrated other in this last one. <laughs> so the uh, castration is just, a, a denotatively, it is, just means restriction. And so a non-castrated other is a person that you look at as being someone who's 
devoid of lacking, that they have everything and they are not limited at all. Like when you're a child, that's your parents. Or your parents are this non-cat. They know everything. They, they are in charge of everything. All this stuff. And then that's, I think, why people get so, like children get so messed up when they see the fault in their parents young. Or that when their parents are this thing to them and their parents are doing bad things and that's why they, your lives, their lives are so messed up. You know, the non-castrated other is the fantasy of a person who is whole, who is complete, not lacking in anything. Man, and now it's about recognizing that there is no one like that in the world. Oh, man, what a comforting thought. What a terrifying, comforting, horrifying, incredibly nice thought. We can all stop pretending everybody's faking it. We can all stop saying all of this stuff and the reality is that no one is, no one knows. Everything is uncertain. And that's not depressing. That's not terrifying. I mean, on one level it is, but then at the same time, it's so exciting to know that Man, no one knows. I don't have to go out there looking and fighting for so much certainty, completeness, and wholeness. Goodness gracious. This, I don't even know anything. Why are you listening to me? Go be whole. I, I <laughs> Do good things. And that's a thing that I know Christians, like I said before. <laughs> but there's a difference between... You know, doing, I don't know. I think I want to say, do whatever makes you feel good. But then everyone's like, well, weed and what about cocaine? And I'm not talking about doing whatever libidinally makes you feel good, right? Just granting those immediate desires of the id, right? This is just this primal innate urges that you have. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying do what makes you existentially feel good and your life will improve, your health will improve, right? I feel existentially good when I work out. I feel like I'm bettering myself and those around me. When I take care of somebody, when I love somebody, I, <laughs> I'm i so convinced that if we do what makes us feel existentially good, that we are going to be better people in a better society as a whole. It doesn't feel good to get in an argument. It just doesn't. Let's figure out how to be peacemakers like Jesus said. Gosh dang it. Jesus was on to something. Who told that guy stuff about everything? I also took a bunch of screenshots on my phone that I'm about to pull up of Bible verses. I was very bored of the sermon on Sunday. Shout out boring preachers. I mean... Probably wasn't his fault. It's 100% my fault or whatever. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, oh, I took a couple of the screenshots. Somebody posted this thing of the picture of their husband at a desk praying. So it's so thankful for my husband who begins each day praying for wisdom to lead his family, business, and his own personal growth. This is what true male leadership looks like, and I could not respect it more. Man, just shut up about it. Just take a big old shut up about it. That's what true male leadership looks like. Bull crap it is. What true male leadership looks like 
is being an example for your children. I mean, not praying and reading the Bible in some room by yourself when everybody else is asleep at 6 a.m. That crap doesn't matter for your kids. It doesn't matter for your kids because you're praying for them to make them better. I get it, man. I th- I think that I, there probably is some beneficial part to that. But I guess what I'm saying is I'm pushing against this idea that that is where male leadership and healthy spiritual wholeness begins. I think it begins with the everyday. And then it bleeds out into meditating and praying and being focused on something greater than yourself. I think it starts with the way that we act and it ends with all that other stuff, man. But I mean, uh, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks like all these ideas that it's like, it's, it's, it's internal and then it's external. Yeah, sure. Whatever. I just think that male leadership looks a lot different than somebody praying in a room. I guess I'm arguing for and against myself, man. I'm so, I'm the worst, whatever. Uh, Bible verses. I read Matthew on Sunday because I was so bored in the sermon. What? So I'm just going to read some quotes from Jesus and talk about it. Matthew 5. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, these guys were the most righteous dang people in the world at that point. They knew all of the law and the prophets and all this stuff. I had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. I barely have memorized my own social security number. If you want that, you're going to have to email me at conversationtherapycast at gmail.com and I'll tell you my social, my mother's maiden name, my favorite dog, and my first car. I promise I will. That's not true. I won't. Don't listen to me. I will uh, send you a, a funny video. That's a promise that I'll stick up to. Yeah, unless your righteousness is better than that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. What? That's insane to think about. That That's like a person coming to your church to say, unless your righteousness is better than that of uh, all of the pastors at all of your churches and the priests and the um, Pope and all these, unless your righteousness is better than that of the Pope, you will not enter the kingdom of, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Man, that's Jesus coming in and saying, you got it wrong. It ain't about the rules. <laughs> also, Matthew 5. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So offering sacrifices was a huge part of religious life, right, for, for Jews. And so Jesus is saying, it's not about these things that you do. It's not about these rituals like it's not none of this is about that right first go and take care of your interpersonal issues go take care of that stuff first because there's no way you can be finding me when you're busy or when you can be whatever there's no way that you can come to the altar and sacrifice to god when you're busy dealing with interpersonal conflicts, right? And that's just the most basic thing that everybody has. So there's that. Oh, my screenshot locked off the first one. Something about 
don't oh there don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose the reward from your father in heaven Ooh. this is for all you christians out there praying at <laughs> your lunch tables you dang idiots don't pray like that. The, Jesus literally says, don't pray and like the, everyone else does all bowling and all in public and all this stuff. He says, do it quietly. Do it in a room by yourself. <sighs> you will lose the reward from your father in heaven if you do good deeds publicly. Next time I see a video about you giving a homeless man $100, I'm going to send your butt to hell. If I believe it in hell. Shout out. Heretics like me. Uh, when you do give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their excellent charity. Don't do as the hypocrites do, taking videos and putting them on Instagram and Facebook of their acts of charity. I'll tell you the truth. They have received all the world they will ever get. A bunch of thumb taps for likes and hearts. Congratulations on your reward. Biffany out there just going out and giving a homeless man a dollar man do it don't tell nobody that's it man do good stuff don't tell nobody that's awesome but when you give to someone a need don't your left hand know what your right hand is doing put one hand in your pocket when you're buying that burger for the boy or girl give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you sees everything huh God sees everything. Doesn't God see the Facebook person who gave all those good gifts? Yeah, but he doesn't care about that. He cares about the answer. Ooh, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. All I didn't mention this, but all of the things that all these quotes, Bible verses that I'm reading, are straight words from the mouth of Jesus, according to Matthew. So there's that. You know, write that one up and stick it under your Christmas tree. Until the fat lady sings on the bridge. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Wow. So if I am storing up certainty, the desire of my heart will be to be certain. The desire of my heart will be to just know stuff and not to actually be loving or part of people's lives. I think I need to be treasuring relationships more than certainty. And that's what I'm trying to do. And I am so desperately trying to treasure the conversations that I have with people more than being certain over what the heck is going to happen to them when they die. So much more important. <clears throat> take a shot, those of you out there who take a shot when I burp. <laughs> no one's going to listen to this. That's okay. Shout out no one. Shout out you, Andrew. I see you. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Shoot! You cannot serve God and be enslaved to, insert thing here, certainty, theology, work, marriage. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to loving each other. Actually, I feel like those are the same thing. Oh, no. Yeah, no, those are the same thing. You will know love, their love for each other. You'll know God. Bible verses. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to self righteousness. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to 
whatever. Doesn't matter. It's about it's about don't let your right hand what your left is doing. Man, it's just it's 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 about finding wholeness not in earthly things. Right? Earthly things are these physical practical things. I think Jesus is saying, "Man, you 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 recognize you can't find wholeness in that stuff, right? Like you just can't." Right? You're either going to run after all this money and this earthly stuff and you're never going to get anywhere. Man, how did this get written thousands of years ago and it's still so dang applicable today? It's because these ideas were way ahead of their time. Way ahead. Whether or not Jesus was a real, literal person, that's not important to me. Like, it doesn't affect the way that I live, whether or not he was real. It affects the way I live, whether or not I follow these ideas. Right, just because the Bible says something, ooh, what's he gonna say next? Just because the Bible says something doesn't mean you have to follow it explicitly. Oh, what about when Paul said women shouldn't talk in church? Ooh, women, I need you to shut your mouths in church. Make like a person who just ate a sour patch kid and close your mouth in church all right that's coming straight from the bible uh so if you don't like that then uh why don't you just go ahead and stop reading the bible you can try to explain all that stuff away but the reality is that a lot of what paul wrote i disagree with because he wrote specifically for his time for his understanding man god inspired a lot of stuff but Ooh, I'll be darned if I don't think that the Bible might not be inerrant. And that's a fancy Bible word for all you people out there that doesn't matter to most, but to the people who are very fundamental evangelical who are listening to this, they'll be like, what? How did I make it 33 minutes into this very uh, frustrating thing? I'm sorry, Summer. Goodness gracious, I'm the worst. The Golden Rule. Subtitle that's not in the Bible. What is there? Do to others whatever you'd want, whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. The essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets from the mouth of Jesus. Do to others what you would like for them to do to you. Man. <sighs> Wisdom. That's it, man. Just do stuff for others even like listen to other people take care of other people be there for other people let's imagine you have something terrible happen you drop your ice cream cone what would make you the most happy if somebody else bought you a new ice cream cone so you see somebody else buy an ice cream cone and drop it i know you don't say oh i'm so sorry for your ice cream cone let me pray for you you feel better because you dropped your ice cream cone you buy them a dang new ice cream cone okay do whatever's going to make other people feel better. Somebody dies that you loved. What if somebody dies that you love? What would you want somebody else to do for you? Just be with you, man. Just sit there with you. Bring you food. Whatever. I mean, we're getting into the love languages, but like all those things are good. Give you a gift. Be with you. Talk to you if you want it. Don't talk. Probably don't talk very much. Really, don't. Somebody just had something incredibly traumatic happen. Shut your mouth and listen. And if they don't want to say anything, then you just listen to nothing and just be there with them. Come on. 
do to others whatever you would like for them to do to you. Somebody steals $1,000 from you. It sucks. It sucks. Let's imagine that you need $1,000 and you steal it from somebody. Then you go to court and the other person says, I forgive you. You can have that $1,000. In fact, is there anything else that you need? Whoa. That's crazy. That's what you would want somebody to do to you. So freaking do that. And that's when the world gets turned on its head because the followers of Jesus don't operate like a capitalist. The followers of Jesus don't operate like an American person. Followers of Jesus don't operate like anyone in this world. Right? That's countercultural. It's counter everything. So let's do that. I'm going to do that tomorrow. What can I do for somebody else um, that I would like for somebody else to do to me? I'll figure it out. Next screenshot. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Mmm, what did you say, Jesus? So you can identify people by their actions? Sounds like works-based salvation to me. Why don't you shut your mouth, Savior? Why don't you shut your mouth about actions? No. Jesus said that. Uh, so I'm going to say it too. I know what kind of tree is making that fruit. So I can look at you and say, I know what kind of person is doing that thing. Turns out you do bad things, you buy a person. <laughs> Shout out to all my Republicans. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Mm, we all know. Jesus cares so much more about us knowing that uh, we are lacking uh, than he does us thinking that we know everything. It's a lot easier to write on an empty scroll than it is a paper that is covered in writing. So why don't you show mercy to someone? Give them $1,000 when they took 1000 of your dollars instead of um, getting back the $1,000 and giving it to God. Ooh, hot take. <sighs> At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. And you don't know nothing. And that's good. It's a great thing. Man, just be a child. Shut your mouth and stop trying to pretend like you know everything for one dang second. Jesus is talking to the priests. Uh, they were like, hey, they can't be doing stuff on Sabbath. He said, but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Shout out to the same scripture that he references, I think, in Hosea. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Ooh, so good. And then I have it here. I went back and found it. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings Ooh, this is in the Old Testament. We're talking Bible times. And this is Jesus saying, hey, this is what I want you to remember. You betrayed my trust like Adam, but 
I don't care about your sacrifices. I don't want your burnt offerings. I want you to love others and to know me. Ooh. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak of what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasure of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Wow, sounds like Jesus is talking about what you do. Let's forget Paul for a second. Let's look at friggin' Jesus. So you go to God through me. You're going to have to give an account for everything that you did when you were believing in me. And I can tell what kind of tree you are by what you're doing. So why don't you stop pretending like it's not about what you do? Because clearly Jesus is saying, it is your apple tree. Shout out to all my apple trees. Jesus replied, and why do you by your traditions violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, honor your father and mother. And anyone who speaks disrespectfully of father and mother must be put to death. Mm, Old Testament. Don't know how I feel about it. But you say it is all right for people to say to their parents, sorry, I can't help you. For I have vowed to give God what I would have given to you. In this way, you say they don't need to honor their parents. And so you cancel the word of God for the sake of your own tradition. Man, this is quite literally Jesus saying, if you can choose between giving money to someone in need and giving money to the church, give money to the person in need. And if you don't do that, if the church would say anything other than that, that church is not his church. So instead of tithing that 10% to the church or whatever else you're giving, how about you give it to people in need instead of uh, paying to keep doors open and lights on, okay? Because God doesn't care about your building. God cares about people. Gross generalizations, but you know what I mean. And if you don't know what I mean, ask for clarification. Conversation therapy, gmail.com. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. From For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. Ooh, Jesus saying, I don't care about the traditions. I care about your heart. I care about what you say and do and think. Ooh. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Say one more time for the people in the back. The Son of Man, uh, excuse me, this is a public service announcement for the trying going to heaven and or hell. The Son of Man is uh, coming back with his angels in the glory of his Father and he will judge all people according to their deeds. And again, Jesus coming with angels according to God, his dad or whatever, and will judge you according to what you have done. That's Jesus. Words from his mouth over in the out. Yikes, dude. And I guess that's that's the end. So let's end on a fun note. You will never be fulfilled and whole. 
the world is chaotic and lacking and filled uh, with want. But the fun part of it is that once you embrace the lack, that you can learn to enjoy the lack and the want and the chaos and the uncertainty. And that's what I'm trying to do. And to be completely honest, it's tough, uh, but I need to remind myself all the time that it's not about being certain. It's about finding fulfillment in the lack. And that's where I'll leave you. Uh, If you made it this far, man, thanks for listening. Uh, I really enjoyed this. And I must say um, that this is a pretty good heresy hour. Um, (laughs) Maybe I'll make that. Maybe it's what I'll call those when they're by myself. Shout out to all my heretics out there. Jesus loves you. And so do I.